1: at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here today. I'm COVID free. I'm back in the basement, ready to go. Uh, Ready to talk about Purdue's victory over Davidson in the Indy Classic. And then going to talk a lot about football in the second half. Uh, A couple new hires on the uh, Purdue football staff. We've also got news about opt-outs for the bowl game. And I wanted to dig into that uh, in the second half because... I've seen a lot of people complaining about it on Twitter, and I, I wanted to at least talk <laughs> about it. So, But that is for the second half. For now, though, we'll start out. Uh, Purdue headed to Indianapolis, the brand-new event, the Indy Classic, which re- replaced the Cross- Crossroads Classic. Uh, Purdue took on Davidson, who they had previously played uh, in Indianapolis back when it was the Wooden Tradition or Wooden Classic. Uh, they changed names a couple times. Back when Steph Curry was on the team, um, I believe that was in 2008 – uh Purdue won that game after shutting down Steph Curry. Uh in this game, Purdue victorious 69-61, but man, what an ugly game of basketball it was, don't you think Ryan? Yeah.
2: Um when you can't shoot a uh, 3, yeah. It's it's going to be a long day. Yeah, I mean, what was
0: uh what was Purdue's shooting percentage from 3 in this game? A measly 12%, 12% 3 of 25. And uh woof. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just whoop. yeah,
2: no one made more than one, and ugh, ugh, just
0: mm-mm. yeah, yeah. So this was I, this this was kind of dubbed as the lawyer bowl because of course Fletcher Lawyer uh, on Purdue playing against his older brother Foster Lawyer, and I guess I didn't realize until um, I was reading some things pre-game that Foster Lawyer is five years older than Fletcher. Mm-hmm. So because of that age difference, they've never played an organized game of basketball um together or against each other you know you would have thought maybe they would have been on the same high school team but no five years apart um they had never been on the same team together so this was the first time they'd been on the floor in a game together so i thought that was pretty cool i mean i know we touched on it last mm-hmm. game but uh our last podcast but i'd completely uh missed that they had never played against each other
2: yeah and they in all honesty look nothing alike to me
0: <laughs> really so it's funny you say that because um I was watching part of this game with my wife, and I said, so I said, that's his brother, and he's five years older. And she goes, oh, yeah, I see that they're related. So she immediately saw it, and it's funny that you, you just don't. It's, I guess, the I'm, eye of the I'm beholder. at that, though. Okay, yeah.
2: all right. But I'll, I'll be self-admittedly bad at okay.
0: recognizing that. So maybe it's just me. So who do you think got the better of the lawyer versus lawyer matchup?
2: Hmm. Well, I mean... Fletcher got the win but Foster had some better. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning they did not guard
0: each other, which is a bit. shame. Mhm. That would have been Could you imagine the trash talk between the two of them?
2: Absolutely. I mean, ooh, that would have been that would have been a fun time for both of them. However, there was a Foster lawyer turnover yes. that Fletcher came up with. Yeah, so toward the I end with about a
0: about minute and a half or 2 minutes to go in the game. Uh, Foster just sort of it, the ball got away from him, and Fletcher dove onto it. Uh, wound up either getting fouled or called a timeout because I know there was a stoppage of play. And with the game, it was still on the line at that point. To have your older brother commit a turnover and you pick it up, I, I said on Twitter, um, you know, that's something that's going to be brought up later in life. You know, in 20 years, it's going to be like, hey, remember when we played in Indy and you turned it over and I grabbed it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the little brother is probably never going to let the big brother live that one down, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, funny enough, I um, it was a foul on that play because one of the Davidson players fell on Fletcher, and then while Fletcher was taking his free throws, Foster was just, like, talking to the ref. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> um,
0: uh, I mean, they, they also, um, I know they showed their parents uh, a couple times, and his mm-hmm. dad was just wearing, like, a black nondescript T-shirt. Because, yeah, I
2: think it was a Clippers. Was thing. it? I think there it was Clippers. Okay.
0: Because it. it was just like I am not taking a side. I'm rooting. Right. He's like he's like the Rob Lowe uh NFL hat. That was he mm-hmm. was rooting for basketball. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so and I liked I liked all the hoodie or the sweatshirts all his family had that said lawyer up.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was very good. That was very good. So um just so anybody who did not watch the game, uh foster lawyer from Davidson had eleven points also had a fantastic 10 assists to go along with three steals, or I'm sorry, two steals and three rebounds. So overall, a very good game. He did have four turnovers. Uh, Purdue's own Fletcher Lawyer had 14 points, nine of 10 at the free throw line, but overall two of 12 shooting, including one for eight from three. Grabbed two rebounds, three assists, and a steal to go along with zero turnovers. So I mean, still a pretty productive game, but not how you would want to get those points. I mean, one of eight from three point is is not mm-hmm. not ideal. But you know, you can have stats like that when you've got a big man like Zach Eady. So, uh, Ryan, you think Zach Eady uh, is going to win his fourth straight Big Ten Player of the Week?
2: I mean, you gotta give it to him, right? If you provide twenty nine points on just 11 shots you gotta give him player of the game or player of the week 29 and 16 you start yawning at these numbers for zach edie now this is just becoming such the norm that oh just give him the naismith
0: right so it's funny you mentioned that i i thought um i read casey's article over at uh boiler upload he wrote about zach edie after this game And apparently at Matt Painter's press conference, they'd gone through around three or four questions, and no one had asked about Zach Eady yet until Painter mentioned him. He's like, is no one going to talk about the guy that scored 29 and grabbed 16? Like, it just shows you how common it is at this point for Zach Eady Mm -hmm. to dominate a game like that. I mean, to to get 29 and 16 and to not even be talked about, you know, immediately in the postgame press conference is, is wild. I, I mean, yeah, ugh. it's
2: insane. And kudos to him. I mean, he went 11 of 15 from the free throw line as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he probably wanted 12 just to hit 30. But you yeah. just he was at times just the only thing Purdue could do on offense. Yeah. It was get him the ball or get him to get fouled. Just that's sort of the concern if you're a Purdue fan is on nights like these, when shots aren't falling, can Zach Edey do enough? Right. And the second concern you have is when you're relying so heavily on him, will he hit a wall? Do you mean minute you minute just,
0: wise or just throughout the year, like as he goes, you know, through a thirty game slog?
2: Throughout the year, I mean, he's start he's proven that he can go thirty five minutes day in day out. Yeah, he had thirty four in this one. Almost, yeah. So he's done it almost every single game this year. And, you know, props to him for not getting in foul trouble in these games. I think he's only had four fouls once or twice this year. So he's he's doing the correct things. He's making the biggest impact on, I would say, any team in the country. And you just hope that he can sustain this throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. And that the people around him... Can start hitting these shots.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to your point, Greg Doyle had an article in the Indy Star that you know just tripping over praise for Zach Eadie, but pointing out that no one really helped him except for maybe you could say Caleb First, uh, first. yeah and we can talk about him in a second. But you know, Zach Eadie can dominate a game and can take over a game as he's shown over and over and over, and. He can basically put Purdue on its back and win a game against a team like Davidson. But when we get deep into Big Ten play and we're playing Michigan State or we're playing Illinois or even IU, someone has got to step up and hit some shots for Purdue because Zach Eadie can't win every single game and carry such a load every single game. I mean, as guaranteed as he has been this year, you can't count on it to have, you know, 29 and 16 every game, you've got to be right. prepared to have people hit some shots. And as you said, 12% from 3, not exactly what you need from from your uh from your perimeter game.
2: Mhm. Yeah, and th- this was a rough game for the bench.
0: Yes. The bench
2: combined for 1 point in 49 minutes of play. It was not it was not pretty no i mean the only one that you sort of give a pass to was mason gillis this was his first game back and he looked he, put, he
0: looked weird he he looked like yeah. he was running gingerly and it, yeah he he did not look like himself yet
2: he had he had i believe one hustle play though i mean as per the norm with mason gillis right. but yeah the the bench just did nothing i believe all five uh players to come off the bench had a uh negative on the
0: plus minus yep, that is true that is true also I mean so but between them they took let's see uh twelve shots and mm-hmm. or no I'm sorry thirteen shots and missed every single one. The only mm-hmm. person to score Brandon Newman he made one of two at the free throw line.
2: Oh.
0: that's uh yeah, can't that's do that. a struggle.
2: And three turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. And four fouls.
0: Yeah. yeah. Over and three of the man, David Jenkins Jr. had a very rough game uh mm-hmm. over two uh, including over one from deep, three personal fouls. Uh, you know, just couldn't find a rhythm. So, in it, absolutely
2: no other stats.
0: No, I mean it was in just incredibly lucky for Purdue that they have a guy mm-hmm. like Zach Eady because otherwise, uh, this game would not have uh, gone as a victory. So, two other guys on Purdue we should note uh, had double doubles. So Purdue had three mm-hmm. guys with a double double in this game, which apparently they also did last year, according to the to the Purdue basketball Twitter account. Um, If I was a very, very good podcaster, I would have looked that up to see what game that was and and (laughs) who that was, but I I did not take the time to go through that. Uh, But Caleb First also had a double-double, 12 points, 13 rebounds. But again, I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about with Lawyer a couple episodes ago. For First, he was 5 of 13 from the field, so 13 Mm -hmm. shots to get 12 points. You don't love it. Uh, The other guy with a double-double, Braden Smith, He had 10 points and 12 rebounds. Um, He was two of seven from the field, but went five of six at the line is how he got the majority of his points. But, uh, you know, neither of them shot particularly well. But sometimes if you can get to the line or if you can grab enough rebounds, you can make up for it. So uh, the three of them, obviously, I think, played the best uh, for this game.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you outlined it there. Nobody in this game other than Zach Eadie shot over 50 percent from the floor. Ethan Morton shot 50%. Yes, he only put up too. two shots. Right. So he made he made his one three-pointer. But I mean, just if you start making shots, this is a 20-point win. So I guess that's the silver lining in yeah. games like these yeah. is this was probably most likely the worst performance by Purdue definitely offensively all season. Oh, without a
0: doubt. Without a doubt.
2: Yeah, and they still came up with an eight-point win in a pseudo-neutral site game. I yeah. mean, you're in your own home state. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean— the it, shooting it, struggles are kind of continuing, and mm-hmm. it's not—you don't want it to turn into a trend. No. But if you fix that, you're sitting pretty, and you're—where Where can you go but here?
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, you're you already, no, you're already number rep. one. You're already number one, so— exactly. Um, you know, luckily for Purdue, you know, they're doing this against Davidson. They've got a couple easy games coming up, uh, both of them in Mackey arena. So they head home to play new Orleans on Wednesday and then Florida a and M, uh, eight days after that on Thursday, the 29th. So only two games left the rest of this calendar year, which probably good for the guys, um, you know, going through finals week. Then you got uh Christmas. So it- it's mentally and physically and emotionally exhausting, you know, everybody loves going home for Christmas. Sometimes it can be a little tough, depending on your family. Mm-hmm. So uh it's it's good that they've only got a couple more games left. But that will wrap up this uh Davidson game. But I just want to point out, um that, you know, this used to be a nice little event in Indy. It used to be called the Crossroads <laughs> Classic, and it was IU, Purdue, Butler, and Notre Dame. And yep. suddenly At least one program, allegedly two, I think Notre Dame was involved as well, um, got a little too big for their britches and said, you know, we don't want to do this game anymore. We want to be able to have a more national schedule, go out and play, you know, a top opponent this weekend because (laughs) it's one of the few weekends that are available where you're not in conference, where you're not in a tournament, where you can maybe get a big name opponent. So... Ryan, I don't know if you uh paid attention to, to college basketball this weekend, but do you know did IU have a game this weekend? Do, do you know what happened? I think they played in Allen Fieldhouse. And, and who who plays at Allen Fieldhouse?
2: That would be the Kansas Jayhawks. Oh they're so a
0: national brand. They're a national but yeah, that's a you know, that's a big program. They've won national titles recently. Um certainly more recently yeah. than IU. Um so <laughs> You know, you go on the road. That's a that's a tough place to play. But surely, you know, this IU team that was uh, touted as the Big Ten favorite, a national contender, uh, probably either kept it close or pulled out a victory, didn't they? Oh, you would absolutely hope so. I would but, think. Uh, yeah, the fighting,
2: uh, fighting Woodsen <laughs> came out and uh, dropped a solid twenty-point loss.
0: Oh, wait! Now hold on. I th- I'm I'm sorry, My I think my headphones cut out. Did you say a 20-point mm-hmm. loss? Correct. Huh, that's the damnedest thing. Because mm-hmm. you would think, rather than getting the exposure of a 20-point loss to, you know, a national program like Kansas, uh, maybe it would have been better for them to celebrate the state of Indiana and the four biggest basketball programs in the state and have a little fun and allow their fans to, you know, see them in the or in the state's capital, don't you think that would have been a good idea yeah,
2: plus you know that that classic would have featured the number one team in the country and the number fourteen rather than number eight and fourteen yeah yeah i don't I don't know, I think maybe they made a mistake, yeah, I mean if you're Notre Dame, you had a shot at uh toppling the number one team in the country this yeah.
0: year yeah, and just threw it away, just threw it mm. away because their national brands. And, you know, poor Purdue, uh, you know, we're a, we're a more Midwestern brand. No one has really heard of us. Um, nope. You know, number one team in the nation two years in a row. Uh, so I get it. I get it. You got to get away from teams like that. So, you know, maybe someday they'll come back, ask for the game back, ask for the crossroads back. But, you know, for now, I'll take them losing three of their last four. And I want to talk about one more thing about this before we move on because mm-hmm. – I said it on Twitter after, uh, I think, they beat North Carolina, right? Um, yeah, who was completely reeling. Yeah, who but. had been number one and then just tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and ultimately fell out of the rankings. We went through this whole cycle of, yes, it was on December 1st. Uh yes. The article from Greg Doyle, who, I'm you know, doesn't listen to this podcast, but... Love Greg Doyle. I think he's a great writer. Uh, He's the only reason I subscribe to the Indy Star. So shout out to Greg. Love the writing. Uh, But after that game, he wrote an article with the uh, tweet that he put out. That nationally televised win over UNC was a two-hour infomercial for IU basketball. And then, you know, in the tweet it gives you the headline, and it was Doyle. Two-hour infomercial for national ESPN audience roars. IU basketball is back. So it's I
2: tweet like Texas football. Exactly, they're always
0: back, always back. So I tweeted at that time. Absolutely love Greg's writing, love it. But I swear to God, if I have to go through another IU basketball is back cycle, I'm gonna snap. Uh, and I got some pushback on that. Well, after they got embarrassed by Kansas, Greg wrote another article, and kudos to him for putting this little section in that I want to read to you verbatim again. Greg Doyle. Okay. Great writer. Subscribe to the Indy Star just for him. So if you'd like, support Greg Doyle. I'd like to keep him in Indy. Uh, He said, and this is, again, a quote directly from the article. It's embarrassing, really, that some of us, okay, fine, it was me, decided that after that 77-65 win against recent number one UNC, that IU basketball was back, baby. Not as embarrassing as what Mariah Woodson did to Dockage, but still a little embarrassing. The Hoosiers are back. Okay, but not in a good way. After fooling us with a perfect November, IU is back to being unable to shoot, unable to win away from Assembly Hall. So, I feel a little vindicated uh, that, in less, you know, just over two weeks, we're already retracting all of our "IU basketball is back" uh, stories. So that feels pretty good.
2: Yes, and our uh, other the IU SB Nation site. Oh God, yes. Decided to. Uh... Tell everyone that nobody said that IU was back. No one said that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so in case you missed this, so Derek Schultz, the radio guy uh, in Indy, who also does some work for Purdue now, I believe, uh, media relations Mm -hmm. for Purdue, uh, tweeted, "...in hindsight, asking a team to go from play-in round to real contender in a year was probably asking too much." And then Crimson Quarry, who is the uh, IU SB Nation, was anyone unironically saying contender before the season, and were they a serious individual? Many, uh, many. It's like, um, yeah, a lot of, lot of people were saying that. So I responded, I guess the question is, by contender, do you mean conference contender or national title contender? Seemingly every major publication picked them as a contender in the conference, and most had them as the prohibitive favorite. And he says... Yep. Definitely, definitely national, which is the vibe I get from context, which, uh. So I responded, one would think, though, if a team is chosen as a consensus favorite in the Big Ten, they should at least be a contender on a national stage. <laughs> I'd agree if the Big Ten didn't slip on a banana peel every March. So, man, I love the walk back. Just, like, pretending that they never said IU was going to be good, pretending that none of this ever happened, just memory-holing everything. It's it's Sending beautiful to that see.
2: that Jackson Davis is a... Uh... First team All American. Yeah,
0: it's just, it's just we bask in the glory. Of we, yeah, the I mean, I use shame. We do this all the time. You would think we'd be used to it. It really must be like if you're like a, a Texas Tech or you know a TCU fan in Texas. Every other year, you mm-hmm. got to hear about Texas football being back and blah blah blah. Man, it's just <laughs> exhausting. So, I'm glad I got that out. Uh, glad we got that out of the way. So there we go. Purdue, 69 to 61 victory. Now sit at 11 and 0. Uh, should remain atop the uh, rankings come Monday as they were number one, did not lose. So let's hope that remains the case. (laughs) We're going to take a break, come back, talk about Purdue football and the recent hires.
1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
0: plus. And we are back. So, Purdue has a new football coach in Ryan Walters. However, up until last week, he was the only person on staff. Uh, We, of course, know that Drew Brees is going to be on staff. Um, So, you want to talk about that for a second before we get into the rest of the hires? Wow. (laughs)
2: So many people are coming at us now saying that, of course, Drew Brees is coaching. But, I mean, a quarterback coach in one bowl game does not a head coach make. Exactly. Just so we know, Twitter. Yeah, just Just to be clear. Just so we know.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I think it's really great that he's doing it. Um, I think it's cool real opportunity just to go out there and have a little fun um you know he doesn't really have like a a full-time gig at this moment so good for him I hope it's a lot of fun uh NCAA did grant him a waiver so he can go out there and recruit um and if I'm Ryan Walters I'm just gonna be like here's a phone why don't you just talk to this guy for a minute that's all I'm having him do I mean you, you you're not sending Drew Brees out on the road to go to you know the major high schools but Uh, It should be an interesting little story. Um, Hopefully it'll get Purdue some publicity, maybe kind of stem the bleeding from the losses in recruiting. So that's really all I wanted to say about that. You got anything else on Drew Brees before we head into the new hires? No, I
2: mean, it'll be good to see him down in Florida.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you will be at the game, correct? Correct. All right. Driving down. All right. So Purdue now has both an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. We will take the offensive side of the ball first. Uh, Purdue has hired Graham Harrell. Uh, that is a name you might recognize if you've paid attention uh, to college football for the last decade or so. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy is just 37 years old, uh, largely regarded as a great offensive mind. But Ryan, pretend I know nothing about this guy. Pretend I I know nothing of his history and where he's been. Can you tell me about Graham Harrell?
2: Yep. So um, let's start with his playing days. He was a quarterback at Texas Tech under... Uh, Mike, Leach, departed Dearly Mike Leach departed Mike Leach yes um, so he at the time broke the passing record at Texas Tech um, who was previously held by a guy you may know in Cliff Kingsbury of course yes and was later surpassed by a guy you may know named Patrick Mahomes
0: oh I definitely have heard that name
2: yeah, so there's, that's going to be a theme here. You're going to recognize a lot of people he played under or around. Okay. Because he also played under Lincoln Riley. Okay, Sonny another Dikes, big name.
0: Yep, another big yep.
2: name. And Dana Holgerson. That one I don't recognize as much. He is the head coach of Houston. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. So he tried his luck at the NFL for a little bit, played on the Jets and Packers, got a Super Bowl ring. While playing for the Packers.
0: Obviously not while playing with the Jets,
2: yeah. Nope. So, um, would later turn to coaching to where he has coached at his alma mater. Um, or he's coached under some of his alma mater's coaches. He would go on to coach at Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy. Okay. He's a man. And then he would also... Yeah. So... Um, he would also coach under Seth Luttrell, who is the North Texas head coach, Okay. and Clay Helton, who was former USC head coach and current South Alabama head coach. So, so a lot of big been, names. He's, he's been around. Him.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of good cash in the industry. It sounds like people know him. People seem mm-hmm. to like him. Getting some good jobs under some good names. Um, he might. Nope. He might uh, most be known for being an offensive coordinator at uh, USC, correct? Correct. He was the
2: OC there from 2019 to 2021.
0: That's what I was going to ask you what years he was there. Now, a lot of people are going to hear this and think, okay, well, if he was the offensive coordinator at USC, but we're getting him after being the offensive coordinator at West Virginia, where he was this most recent season, that seems like a downgrade. Why did he leave USC? So...
2: He left USC after 21, and, I mean, that's when they had a guy come in under the name of Lincoln Riley. That's right. So it's hard to pass up on Lincoln Riley. Yeah. It's hard to get better than him when it comes to college football unless your last name is Saban. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what I want people to understand with that question is when you see people – in these roles offensive coordinator defensive coordinator and they go from job to job that is just the nature of the game that's the nature of the business Mm -hmm. because if you're the offensive coordinator and your head coach gets fired or takes another job or goes elsewhere chances are you're not staying um you're you're either going with the coach if they've gotten a new job or the you know if they get fired you might get like a bump to um an, an interim coach or something like that but after that, when they hire the new coach, they're probably not keeping you around. They want their own guys, and that's no slight on the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. That's just how the game is played. So I want mm-hmm. people to be clear that he was not, you know, fired at USC because he was incompetent. It's it's a coaching carousel, and he got mm-hmm. kicked off, uh, not necessarily through any fault of his own.
2: Right. Yeah, and the number. So I've got some numbers over his last couple of years. Love numbers. At All right, USC and WVU. Let's do it. All right, so we'll start with USC because those are um, uh first. He his offense from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one averaged about three hundred and eighteen passing yards a
0: game. Oh boy!
2: As well as a hundred and twenty five rushing yards a game and thirty points a game.
0: Okay, so.
2: Pretty staggering numbers, but for USC with that recruiting power, it makes sense. They had some guys who uh, you might recognize in Amon Ross, St. Brown, Michael Pittman, you know, some some names some that names, are playing yeah. on Sundays right now. Yeah. So, okay, so then we'll go to West Virginia where the recruiting power isn't as high. He averaged, his offense averaged 225 passing yards a game. 170 rushing yards a game and 31 points per game. So they still very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For comparison, that is Purdue last season averaged 285 passing yards a game. So uh, Purdue had 60 more. They had 123 rushing yards a game, 45 less, and they averaged 28 points a game. So three less points a game last year for Purdue. So it should be an upgrade. Now, his strategy on offense is the air raid which yeah. is that's your buzzword that should be music into...
0: that, that should be music to every purdue fan's ears because when the you know hire of ryan walters was announced there was a lot of grumbling because oh he's a defensive coach purdue doesn't win with defense purdue's never had success with a defensive coach but as we mm-hmm. said on the pod you know he's not going to be running the offense. He's going to hire people to come in, do the offense, and when you hire a guy um, like this who's known for an air raid offense, you know you have to assume he's going to come in and continue to be a gunslinger. You don't hire a guy like Graham Harrell uh, to come in and tone his offense down and be uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. So Mm -hmm. that should hopefully put a lot of people at ease.
2: Yeah, and the issue that the new issue that probably is going to arise is the problem with air raid offenses is that they can absolutely just three passes. You're done. You punt. Yeah. If it doesn't work, you can really put pressure on your defense and make them play the majority of the game. So it will be up to Graham Harrell to figure out a way to keep the offense on the field. That said, he's done the air raid pretty well lately, so I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, and yeah, for me those too. of you who don't know, air raid—if you think air raid, think fast pace, lots of athletes on the field, so almost always four to five receivers. And if you're watching an NFL team that exemplifies this, think Kansas City Chiefs. Which I mean, you gotta do.
0: if if Purdue could have an offense anything remotely like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I would be a very happy man
2: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the air raid is probably one of the most exciting offenses. um it's it's fast, pass heavy. It's what you want in college football, honestly. so it's kind of be it's gonna be one of those offenses that the West Coast teams are bringing over because USC under Lincoln Riley is gonna run that and UCLA under Chip Kelly, is going to run something similar. So it's not your parents' offense, but for Purdue, it's right up there with good quarterback points. Yeah,
0: yeah, seems like it it could be something that could slide right in as basically a mutation of the old Joe Tiller offenses. So uh, that Mm -hmm. would be great. Um, Help keep Purdue fans happy because we love a good offense. So... Overall, I mean, do you think this is a good hire? You think this is what somebody like Ryan Walters needs?
2: I think this is a slam dunk hire. I mean, this is this is the flash you want for an offense, and Graham Harrell has a proven track record uh, of putting points on the board. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I thought it was great. Combine
2: that with something even remotely similar to the defense that Ryan Walters had at Illinois, and they this could be this could be some magic brewing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the defense, Purdue also announced the hire of a defensive coordinator. That would be mm-hmm. Kevin Kane. Uh will come in, take uh, over the DC role. And that is going to be a name some of you might recognize because he spent the last couple years over at Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. He was the associate head coach as well as the outside linebackers coach for the last two seasons over at Illinois. So To me, this is a less splashy hire than Graham Harrell, but it's one that makes a lot of sense with Ryan Walters Mm -hmm. because, obviously, he was the defensive coordinator at Illinois. So this guy, Kevin Kane, is going to understand what Walters wants to run, is going to be able to kind of think like he thinks. So we don't know for sure if Walters is going to call the defense himself. Um, but if he decides not to, if he decides to uh, take a step back on that during game days, having a guy you know and can trust like Kevin Kane, um, who's worked with you in the past, is going to be a huge asset because um, Walters seems to really be confident in what he wants his defense to do. So to be able to have a guy who thinks like you on the staff in the defensive coordinator role seems like a huge advantage.
2: Yeah, and it's you see it happen all the time. So each of these guys, Kevin Kane and Ryan Walters, each elevated a level. So um, they have that relationship built. And Kevin Kane not only has coached at Illinois, he's also coached at Wisconsin under Brett Bielema. So he's very used to that you know, hard-nosed defense that the Big Ten has to offer. So it just made sense that he came over. What I find interesting is he has also been a fullbacks and tight ends coach, as well as a special teams coach. Okay. So he has a pretty good palette on him for um, for coaching. So he knows he, kn- he knows his way around the positions, which yeah. is always a plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he also, um, I know we we kind of went through Graham Harrell's career, uh, but Kevin Kane also has worked under uh, Sonny Dykes. Um, at SMU, mm-hmm. so he was the defensive coordinator there for three seasons. So, kind of some overlap um, with with folks they've coached under. So, uh, I believe he is uh, only 38 years old. So that goes wow. with he is 38. Harrell is 37, and Walters is 36. Um, so, a very very young group so far. Still got a lot of hiring to do, but. Overall, I'm very, very pleased with the staff um, as mm-hmm. it's kind of constructed right now.
2: Absolutely. I mean, obviously the first domino to fall being Ryan Walters, it was not as splashy as everyone thought it could have been, but he was definitely a very solid hire by Mike Bobinski and the athletic department. And then he made a splashy hire, Ryan Walters did, in Graham Harrell, and Kevin Kane came with. So it's just more familiarity there. So the tighter knit your coaching staff can be, the better it is. And they're not brothers. So that could be a
0: plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no, they're going to be no drama there. So I look forward to never reading about uh, brother unbrother drama. So let's hope that continues. So um, one more thing before we go uh, the bowl game, of course, Citrus Bowl coming up in a couple weeks. Um, Drew Brees obviously going to be on staff, as we mentioned. But this is opt-out season, and Purdue has been hit fairly hard. Um, we obviously we already lost alignment to the transfer portal, and now we've got uh, Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones, Payne Durham, and Corey Trice have all opted out. So that is our three stars on offense, and probably our best corner uh, on defense mm-hmm. have opted out of this game. And uh, that's probably going to spell some trouble for us uh, going into this game, don't you think?
2: Yeah, and that seems to be the norm now. I mean, you lose your, your one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten, one of the top receivers in the Big Ten, and one of the top tight ends in the Big Ten. We're going to have to rely pretty heavily on some backups, and they haven't had too, too much game action this year, right, but right. that's... That's what bowl season has turned into, in, or at least for these big, the bigger bowl games. So you play hard all season, and then you get to a big bowl game, and now everyone has elevated their play enough to where they need to go and preserve themselves for a potential draft pick. So it's just it's the problem with bowl season. I don't blame the players at all for protecting themselves and, you know, potentially securing their future. But it's the product of bowl season has just taken such a downturn. I know we discussed this a uh, few yeah, episodes when Gabby ago. Yeah, on. Yeah, there's – I'm happy I'm not uh, tasked with fixing bowl season, but I just – I personally think you just need less bowl games yeah. and make them more worthwhile, but – yeah, Purdue's going to have its work cut out. I know there are some LSU players who have decided to opt out as well, mm-hmm. but it's still the backups of an SEC school. They're still athletes. Yeah, you would think so. That's not to say Purdue's backups aren't athletic. However, the SEC is just everybody seems to run a 4-3-40 yeah. on those teams. As
0: As they say, it means more.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. The Florida and Oklahoma State game.
0: I don't think so. There
2: was something going on Twitter where it was a play in, like, the second quarter. And one of the Florida players came off the line and just completely just stood still. Wouldn't do a pass run. And people just went after him. I, You feel bad I for the I completely missed it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's one of those games where it's Florida and Oklahoma State, Florida's like a middle SEC team, so it's kinda eh. But I mean, you feel bad for the guy for getting dragged just because he took one play off, but again, it's the problem with bowl season. Yeah. You need you need incentive to go out and still try. Yeah. So and it's just not there.
0: I I as we saw these opt outs come in on Twitter, um, as I'm wont to do, I, you know, commented on them on our Twitter account. And, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I apparently touched the third rail of college football Twitter <laughs> right now because just about every response was, well, they should just pull their scholarships or "They sh- these people should be required to stay for the bowl game. They It should be in the language of the scholarship. Or you would be amazed at the number of people who said that these players should have to pay back a percentage of their scholarship because they're not playing in the bowl game. And before I get your opinion, I just want to say those people need to shut up. Um, you and I don't have the opportunity to possibly make millions of dollars in our very next career. And if you and I have that opportunity, it's likely not because you know we can throw a football 40 yards. It is because, you know, somehow we're, we've outsmarted a system. Um, right For them, if they go out in this game and if AOC plays and breaks his leg. He could never play football again. He could lose millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying AOC is going to have a long NFL career and going to make tons of money, but if he breaks his leg, he won't. So awesome. I, I understand as a fan, it sucks. We want to see these guys play. They, you know, Purdue is our team. Most Purdue fans have a connection to Purdue. We went to Purdue, have a loved one who went to Purdue, grew up near Lafayette, whatever. We love mm-hmm. Purdue. We consider Purdue our school. So to see these guys go out there, play all season, play great, you know, you you fall in love with the team, you root for them every day or every every week. You see the highs, you see the lows. You want to see them play one more time. You want to know, hey, they're gonna go out there, they're gonna play for this, you know, in the Citrus Bowl. It's a pretty good bowl game, January second, and to see them opt out and pass up an opportunity that, you know, you or I or Average Joe Blow on the couch would kill to be in. You know, we don't have the athletic ability. We don't have the talent to go out there. So for us and for the average fan, it's hard to see them pass up an opportunity. But mm-hmm. that you've got to put more thought into it than that. You've got to go deeper. These people mm-hmm. have opportunities to make life-changing money. And why risk it in a game that ultimately doesn't matter? Um, are you are we gonna look back on, you know, the the cheese it citrus bowl in twenty years and say You know, if only AOC had played, you know, that would have turned the whole program around. I don't think so. Um, So I wish people had as much sympathy and compassion for the players when they opt out as they do when a player gets injured, you know, and ends his career because he got rolled up on on a random play. Um, You know, Gus Hartwig got injured, and we don't know when he's coming back, if he's ever going to be able to come back. Um, Haven't really seen many updates on him. And that sucks. And that's terrible. Um, and that can happen in any play, any time. So these guys have gotta protect themselves and think long term. It sucks for the fans and I get that, but we've gotta allow them to make the right decision for them.
2: Yeah. And at the same time, I hope these are the same people who are, you know, shouting at the void when it comes to coaches leaving absolutely their school. I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it on all fronts. Just... Yeah,
0: at least be consistent. Mm-hmm. So,
2: and then yeah. At the same time, these these players are 20, 20 to twenty five year olds. Like, just and their whole future is out ahead of them. Right. I, what What are you gonna do? I mean, it's 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 literally a game. <laughs> yeah. And so they're going to secure their future. I. I hold no I hold do not hold them as I don't paint them as bad at all for making that
0: decision. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So, I just I wanted to get that out because it's it's all over Twitter, it's all over our Facebook and, you know, just show a little grace to these guys. You know, they're making what is a mm-hmm. tough decision and they're not abandoning their team. Whatever word you want to use to to kind of paint them as villains, um they're just guys like you or me. Trying to make the right decision for their life and for their future, and you got to respect it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with it, but you got to respect it. And I will say,
2: if they were playing in a game that made a difference to their future, they would absolutely be playing. Yeah. If you're playing in a playoff game where you can get noticed and be, you know, potentially help your draft stock, they would play.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, or if they were playing, if Purdue had won the Michigan game and, Mm -hmm. you know, were playing in the Rose Bowl, I bet they would be – I bet these guys would be playing. Exactly. because It to, circles
2: back to you need more incentive.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because to be able to say, you know, I played in the Rose Bowl um, and, you know, I took my team to the Rose Bowl. We played, blah, blah, blah. Whatever happens, that's a mm-hmm. memory that you, they'll remember forever versus, right. oh, I played in the Citrus Bowl in, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, is it in Orlando, Tampa?
2: Yeah. Orlando? Orlando.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's it sucks for the fans. I get that. But they're making the decision that's right for them, and and we wish them the best. You know, the, At the end of the day, they're still Boilermakers to me, so I'm still rooting mm-hmm. for them. So I don't Absolutely. think that's going to change. So there we go. Uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We'll be back with you. Um, middle of the week, probably going to uh, have – Change things up a little bit as we get toward the Christmas holiday, uh, because mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think most people are going to care about us come uh, Christmas Day. So we're going to figure out how we're going to do it then. But rest assured, we'll have more info info for you on our next podcast. But thank you all for listening. For Ryan and myself, boiler up, folks. We'll see you next time.
2: Armor down.